Welcome back to the second part of this two-part series with my conversation with DJ Ye from Genevieve. I split this interview into two parts to make this more digestible. So if you haven't listened to the first part, I really recommend doing so to get more context on D and what she's doing. Um, but if you have already done that, then I'm excited to share the second part where we talk about how to create space and psychological safety in order to uh, build the trust and and um, rapport needed in order to develop deeper relationships with one another. So. Really looking forward to hearing how this helps you, or, or what you might get out of this as well. But with that, I'll let you go into the episode right after a quick message from my sponsor. First off, thank you for being a listener of the Human Up podcast. I definitely have so much to say and express, and all the things that I've experienced and observed throughout my life that I've honestly been cultured and, and kind of pressured to to bite my tongue against. So I really love being able to use this platform and this medium as a podcast to do so, and it wouldn't be possible without Anchor FM, which is the hosting platform I use to distribute this podcast. It's perfect for me right now because it's free and automatically distributes. Distributes my episodes to all the different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And the cool part is that there are tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you don't even need any extra software or services to to create the podcast. And you can even make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership by recording ads like this. So if you have a message to send and ideas to spread, definitely download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. And who knows, maybe we can collab and create a, a podcast episode together. If you do end up creating one, you should definitely hit me up, and and we can do something there. With that, let's get back to the episode. But anyway, yeah, I'm not exactly sure if there's a question in there, but it's just kind of, I kind of try to think about how I might react, and it's it's it would be hard if we don't have that sort of trust. Uh, in there, I think yeah. I, I, this is a really uh, astute observation. Um, so I really appreciate you for articulating it. I think what you're saying is like, you know, how do we ensure psychological safety? Yeah, psychological safety, yeah. right within a team yep. within an organization to do so. Until this day, I so appreciate Peter, who was my skill level manager at that time, who gave me that feedback. Because from day one, Peter is this um, just great people manager. He really manages to empower, empower employees like me, um, and, and I'm sure for other teammates too. Uh, he he made it safe, like he mm-hmm. made it so safe that, um, well, first of all, there are a few characteristics you know that Peter did so well. One is he he made it safe for people to share their discomfort, and he really makes time to listen to you. Um, if you have a concern, he will drop current work to listen to you. Just a great listener. And second, um, he created this feedback culture within the team, right? So um, that at any moment, feedback shouldn't just happen during the performance review time, right? At any moment, I remember him saying, at any moment, if you have uh, concerns, we should feel free to give each other feedback. And so, you know, when he shared that feedback with me, it was really just taken as a gift. It was a conversation with him and I just value value every conversation with him. 
And he was also the manager who gave me the feedback about the importance of work-life balance and the importance of really learning that, mastering that work-life balance skill, how to work smart early on in our career. Right. So that yeah, we can be sustainable in, in, uh, in our performance throughout our career journey. Yeah, it's like very much a reason why he gave me the space for me to explore myself and very much the reason why I later on discovered my passion uh, for coaching and have been on this journey. He's an, I, I speak about Peter because I think he demonstrates just this great example, uh, an example of a great manager and the kind of behaviors a great manager mm-hmm. would do, right? He's someone who, who actually embodied, you know, having coaching as a communication style in his day-to-day work with us. Um, and, and so going back to, you know, psychological safety. And so, you know, now that, you know, as a professional trainer and coach, now I have that vocabulary. I know it's called psychological safety now. I'm just like <laughs> looking at like reflecting back on Peter's behaviors and then noticing, oh, this is what he was doing. He's building psychological right. safety. He was encouraging a feedback culture. And so like, imagine like, you know, can we train more man- managers? Um, can yeah. that be part that part of the manager typical day to day manager training? Huh? Sorry, sorry, cut that part. It didn't articulate well, but you know, can you can can we make feedback uh, cultural, right, as part yeah. of the team cultural? And how can managers play an important role in shaping that feedback culture in the team? And and that's so important. I think like yeah, putting a bunch of people together to like you know, in the stressful environment and tell them to reach a certain goal and not be able to, and not teach them like how to properly communicate each other. Just, it does boggle my mind that, that, <laughs> that we didn't think of this earlier. Uh, but it is inspiring to know that, you know, people are, are now becoming aware of, you know, the, uh, the, the symptoms of, of what's going on and, and going into helping with culture and develop the, the psychological safety there. So, um, another concept I think of relating to that is emotional labor, right? Like being able to sort of put in that sort of work and, and patience and this, this empathetic listening, you know, to be able to create that space for people to, to open up. Um, and I think, you know, not being aware of the sort of the different energy levels. Um, this this is all just coming off the top of my head for the first time, so I'm trying to articulate it. But you know, emotional labor in in um, if we're not being, if we don't know how to build up our own sort of emotional. Uh, capacity it's hard to put in the labor to put in that investment into someone else Mm, Uh, yes yeah and and i think that's that's i think where a lot of people might kind of miss out on is is being able to have that awareness and education to like how do you how do you fill up your own cup you know and and uh um so that you can then you know give it back to others in in a safer way Oh, totally. Yes. Like, and then also, like, we talked about how do we get people to become more aware, right? Um, about, about coaching and about the importance of these social emotional skills. It really comes from day to day. It's like we can't change people, but we can influence others through our way of being, right? And so, like, 
really important is, is you know, when a manager can role model those behaviors of empathy, uh, right. of really listening and providing feedback in a constructive, actionable way, empowering way, um, that role models psychological safety for others. Um, and, and then you can influence other people. Right. To see yeah, kind of possibility, yeah, a way of being. Yeah, yeah. So leading by example uh, is is big there, right? And I, I'm just imagining, like, imagine you know, uh, I, I am not sure how often people at work talk about their emotional experiences. Probably yeah, not, right, right. But right. if there's enough psychological safety that you can talk about these emotional experiences, like like how I talked about my meetings, right? My experience in the meeting room before and after, right? Imagine if a team can talk about that. Um, what would it open up? You know, mm-hmm. like how can um, how can one colleague's a moment of transformational experience inspire other colleagues to speak up as well? And similarly, other colleagues their own way pathway to transform for a particular scenario can also inspire me and others, right, to do so. And, and so I think there's incredible value for the psychological safety for people to be able to share their own vulnerability and then their pathway to empowerment in specific day-to-day work scenarios. Right. Well, and, and as I think of that, it's um, a lot of the sort of subtle message I would hear in my working environments is that you know, you don't want to talk about those emotions because it would just open up a can of worms and, you know, and then people get, you know, so emotional that they don't think logically and and productively for a work environment and um, it gets messy. And, uh, and I think that is definitely true Mm -hmm. to a certain point, you know, where you definitely don't want, you know, just uh, your emotions Mm -hmm. running around the office and causing havoc um but you're right in the sense of being able to like at least have maybe a more private space a more more safe space to um to express that to be able to reflect on that uh helps bring awareness and you know how you want to continue the the relationship or or how you want to lead you know the workplace um Um, and I think that comes with maturity yeah. of, of emotional understanding of the vocabularies in emotional experiences, right? The EQ. Right. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I think it's a possible. It's definitely possible for people to be able to share the experience, emotional experiences with each other. Uh, but this does come with, you know, uh, how do we provide the right language or framework, constructive framework for people to talk about those emotions. Uh, and mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and and so that the, the manager or, or or I guess not even regardless of your role, right? To for the receiving end to be able to feel comfortable and confident to know how to handle That's that right. type of situation, yeah. um, or to like sit sit mm-hmm. with, you know, um, because I think maybe that's part of the fear too of you know maybe I don't want to ask these questions or open up mm-hmm. that can of worms because I'm afraid of like how to how how it might you know, blow things out of proportion or how I might overreact or they might overreact. And so, yeah. So just having that vocabulary uh, helps a lot. 
Uh-huh. What would be your like quick tip for someone to to even start that type of conversation? That's a good question. Uh, I'm just like co-creating on the spot with you right now. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, let's say in in a workplace, they're you know they're they've noticed that there's conflict. Maybe not even just workplace too, right? In in any kind of interpersonal relationship, there's some type of conflict, and there's um, you know a fear in both ends of of mm-hmm. addressing it, of mm-hmm. talking about it. Like, how do you just approach that, or or how do you kind of um, make it so that kind of the tension isn't isn't sure? Uh, that's a great made? question. Um, so I will share. This is actually a case study. We actually work with a organization this particular work on conflict engagement, constructive conflict engagement. So when you have an, uh, when you have a lot of frictions happening, right? And how do we shift from a blaming cultural to constructive collaboration culture, right? And so first of all, like the work we did, we started with educating people on the vocabularies for conflict engagement. And you can see people react to conflicts in different ways. There, we all have our automatic way of reacting to conflicts, right? Some of us just inherently are uh, conflict averse, so we want to avoid conflict by you know, bottling it up or trying to avoid the person, right? Uh, there's also people who can like mm-hmm. it's a fight and flight, right? People who are very aggressive when there's conflict happening, right? Or people who are just passive aggressive. <laughs> Like um, uh, either passive aggressive in how they communicate directly with this other party, or passive aggressive through gossiping um, behind the back. We we see these kind of behaviors in organizations, um, and so the, the the first step is in there's importance in helping people learn the vocabularies of what is my default conflict you know reaction mechanism. What's my default way of coping with conflict yeah. and noticing that in the moment and at work when I'm when I'm when I am engaging in that default reactive mode. Yeah. And and then also acknowledging like what's the impact? And so uh, there's a bit of coaching happening with, with employees who are ready to be coachable on what is the impact of that default, my default way of reacting to conflicts. So this is where we deepen the self-awareness, right? So uh, notice up till this point, I haven't talked about how this person talked to another person yet, right? But like engagement hasn't happened yet because there's a lot of self-inner work that needs to happen before mm -hmm. a constructive engagement of conflict can take place with the other party. And and so, you know, but this, this level of preparation is necessary. And then how do we shift people's attitude towards conflict and, and embracing conflict as an opportunity to understand each other better and then co-create, right? To meet our um, our needs better. Uh, and so conflict, constructive conflict, conflict engagement is really this process of problem solving together. Um, but there's a lot of yeah. emotional barriers along the way. And, and this is where vocabulary education helps and then a bit of coaching to help individuals see their blind spot um, of what's holding them back from wanting to see the constructive side. That, that really matters. And a lot of times like people may experience conflict as a victim, right? 
we all have like either as a victim or a persecutor of the other person. And how do we shift from being a victim to a creator in that problem-solving process? Is the kind of vocabulary education that we have done in progress. And what we have seen is incredible results of just, first of all, I acknowledge when there's incredible results, it's always the employees who want to do the work. Like they are, they are the ones who are right. doing the hard work, hard inner work to examine themselves, right? And then acknowledging uh, their blind spot and, and the, the ways yeah. that behaviors have not been constructed, right? And so what is my intention here? Has my behavior been constructed to meet intention? If not, what is the new behavior and new attitude I want to embrace to meet my intention? So we call this a three-step process. Mm -hmm. First step is what's my awareness of the situation and awareness of how I have been coping with the situation, what's awareness of the impact. And then the second step is what is my clarity of what is my intention? What do I really want to create here? And then the third step is, okay, with that clarity of the goal, then what, what's the new behavior and attitude I want to embrace? And that's the micro-behavior change, right? And if we can repeat such process over and over again in day-to-day work scenarios, then what we are gradually seeing is this habit. It's a habit-forming process. And what's important is, yeah. is creating, you know, uh, also acknowledging when other people are going through this loop. How can coaches and colleagues acknowledge when we see an employee's going through such a loop, acknowledge and reinforce this kind of productive cycle process to keep repeating in day-to-day work. So, um, sorry, this is a pretty long detailed answer to your question of how do you have such a conversation? Because <laughs> uh, like, there are times when you, have you ever experienced times you give feedback to the other person and it wasn't on, people didn't really seem to receive it, right? Yeah. And so this is, yeah. And totally. so, you know, and it became counterproductive, maybe it deepened the resentment or something, right? And, and so, so it's really important to mentally prepare ourselves to be ready for that conversation such that we can communicate with clarity what is our need here. And then also we need to, part of the self-work is to process our emotional, negative emotions such as resentment and victimhood. Really pro- have a process those emotions such so that we can come into the conversation with curiosity to understand the other party mm-hmm. and to set up constructive intention of problem solving with this other party. So once we are ready in that state, then it's it's you know reaching out and articulating that intention with the other party and asking for permission. It's basically another way of saying, "Are you ready? Are you mentally ready?" Right in a similar space, constructive space to have that conversation with me, and it's possible the other party yeah. may not be yet. It's possible, right? And so, yeah. yeah. And, but, but like with, with with one of the, I, I like to think about. Oftentimes we think about oh relationship dynamics. Um, if we have an unconstructive relationship dynamics, this other party have to change for, in order for the relationship dynamic to change. Or both parties have to change. Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily. As long as one party changes, the entire dynamic started changing. That's the law of yeah. relationship, right? Yeah. And so, so like you know, as, as long as one of the party becomes mentally ready to engage constructively, then even though if the other person may not be ready yet, it's all about how do you reach out and how do you stay engaged, not resigned, but engaged and keep reaching out in a constructive way. 
to send that invitation for conversation. Yeah, no, that's that. Those are you articulated that really well. <laughs> so uh, I, I think with I, there was a some I heard this somewhere. I can't remember who said it, but it was you know war. Uh, can't just be with one person. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm paraphrasing that. That's not exact, but you know, it takes two parties to to have conflict, right? So if there's one, if if to, um, kind of you know bring peace in that, it, it takes just one person to, mm-hmm. to change, or to at least. Yeah, I love change. that. <laughs> Bottom line so well, Victor. Yeah. What can that happen with? Yeah. So cool. I, I want to be mindful of our, our time here uh, coming up on the hour. So uh, real quickly, what I like to do at the end of my episodes and um, is just to kind of go through the five core emotions, um, which is anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and joy, um, which, you know, that's, I think that's in debate of, you know, what those core emotions are, but I'm going to use those because <laughs> They're from the movie Pixar or the movie Inside Out. Yeah, I love uh, that movie. Yeah, yeah. So I just use that as my baseline. But so if you could kind of real quickly go through each of those to share maybe either a a quick experience with it or what your relationship is with each of those emotions or or maybe uh, something that, you know, that made you feel any of them. And so, yeah, you ready ready for that? Great. Let's see. What's been, what's your relationship and what's your experience with anger? Um, this is where you want, you want personal reflection. Um, either personal or, or maybe just, you know, what you, yeah, maybe a personal story that you have mm-hmm. or maybe how you handle it or what your experience is um, with it. Anger is a hard emotion for me. And I actually recently started to find how I can turn it into my out. And anger, well, it's it's a hard emotion for me because I, I, in my personality, I can be quite accommodating. Uh, and you can see why anger is a hard emotion for me because I'm like, I think part of it is, it's, I, I'm like, it's a blessing and curse. I can empathize with people uh, as a coach. That's why I'm a coach too. And, but at the same time, in the process of empathizing with people, I don't get angry easily. Right, because mm. even if people step over my boundaries, I don't get angry. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to empathize with you. I can see it. I can see why you do this, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I and so it's a hard emotion for me, and but I also realize how important it is as an ally for me to establish my boundaries, for me to set boundaries with others. Because boundaries, yeah. setting boundaries, clarity and clarity is very important. It actually helps relationships. Yeah, I I, I don't want to maybe uh, project, but I guess just to share my experience, you know, and, and I'm curious on if that how that resonates with you is, you know, in in being empathetic and trying to go to to be like understanding of others. Is there a balance of like, are you are we? Am I suppressing? that anger or am I trying to kind of push it away or, or not understand mm-hmm. the anger yes. as well? Like, you know, so well, um, how do you, how do yeah. you deal and with I, that? And I, I don't do that too. Like sometimes we numb, we have, 
maybe over years we've developed ways to numb ourselves when we feel it. And so we don't mm. feel it as much anymore. Like, yeah. Right. So, well, and if, for example, my boundaries are being overstepped, you know, that could be angering uh, within me. But if I were to want to, you know, be empathetic, I think that's that's where I feel like I might push that yes. anger down. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, sorry, coming back to your question again, what's the question? <laughs> yeah, no, I think <laughs> there wasn't really much of a question. I think I guess it's 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 balancing i think that's you know where i'm at is is you know because i really i just resonate when you said that like oh i'm a very empathetic person so i don't get angry very much and that that happens to me quite often where it's one of in in my men's group actually um i i i've i've found that this work has taught me how to sort of manage that anger but then there was this comment from one of the guys like i just want to see you angry Victor. i just want to see you mad and and so like that that makes me think a little bit is like yeah am i am i maybe just like suppressing this or am i you know trying to convince myself that it, i don't have to be angry and um i don't know i think that's i don't know if there's an answer there but uh yeah. just kind of um well about. thank you for sharing that Victor. because as you speak i I have this visualization in my mind. It's going back to the Inside Out movie with the five characters. And it's, it's like, you know, yeah. basically this conversation we're having right now is examining what are the interpersonal relationships of the five characters in our mind, right? And, right. and so it's like yeah. asking yeah. the question, like, what is the, this anger dude doing in my mind? And, and like, I, what I see in my mind is like, I see, okay, what's the relationship of this anger person with the other emotions in my mind? Uh, I think whenever there's anger, like the anger person is actually has been bottling up, has not been speaking up much, right? And whenever the anger person feels right, something, right. the joy person comes and grabs the arm and say, now time out for you. Let's be joyful. Right. Let's find ways to right. stay joyful <laughs> and make peace. So the anger person has been the anger character in my mind has been very much silenced. And so it's about how do we give voice, right, to this anger person? For me. Yeah. Cool. So fear. How about fear? Mm -hmm. I allow myself to experience fear. And I think I'm more of the adventurous type. I think I have a high tolerance for risks. And in general, I think we learn ourselves the best when we experience fear. But um you know, I, I think fear is is a great opportunity to learn. Fear, if we experience fear, pause and really have a conversation with that fear, you know, person in our mind, right? Uh, what's that about? What are you afraid of? And and then, you know, sometimes it's really about and this conversation needs to go very deep until until the fear person in my mind and I can have a direct conversation to talk about what's the biggest, biggest fear. What's the darkest fear about? Yeah. And and fear can feel so mental, right? So sometimes it actually helps to experience fear physically hmm. to understand what that fear is about. Yeah. So, so just sitting with it and, and really seeing, you know, how uh, if, if that, if what you are afraid of, is valid or not you know right is it so. yes is it valid or not and yeah 
I think anger, talking to anger can help me understand my needs better because there's a reason why I feel angry, right? And so if I mm-hmm. can really have, listen to what my anger person has to say, I will understand my own needs better. Uh, when I talk to the fear person, I will understand more about, I think fear is trying to protect us from a lot of things. I will, right. it's about how do I have a constructive dialogue to understand, okay, what's the goal here? How can we have a cons- turn it into a constructive vision that we achieve? Great. Um, disgust. Disgust. I don't know if I experience disgust that often. Hmm. That's a good, that's a hard one for me. It's a, it's a hard one for a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really? weird one. It's weird. I wonder if it's different kind of emotions I'm experiencing. I experience. I think, I think it's kind of related to maybe shame. I think that was another um, uh, version of a core emotion within sure. that. Um, sure. So. Yeah. That's the easier, more easier, yeah. more easily. Okay. I think shame yeah. is more like discuss with self, right? Whereas discuss, mm. like, am I looking at, am I, do I ever experience discuss with external things? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always shadow, our shadow, shadow of self. And that's where the imposter syndrome in a critic comes in. Um, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, I have a strong inner critic coming from growing up from the Asian culture. And, but I, I've learned how to have really embrace it and have a conversation with it. But I, I look at this emotion of it, it, it has inherited the language, uh, social script, right, from society and from the parents, from how we grow up and how I grow up. So shame or disgust carries that language of how I have been raised. And mm-hmm. it's about examining. When this disgust person is making a comment, is there a validity to it? Yeah. Really about- and and how do you dissociate that, right? And kind of empower yourself yes. in, versus versus uh, taking on other people's sort of expectation. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. This yeah. is this is the channel. The talking to disgust is, is is the channel to learn how do I find myself and and become free of the social pressure. Hmm. All right. And, oh, two more. Uh, sadness, and then we'll mm. go with joy, but sadness first. Okay. I think sadness is so important. And I've, in my recent years, starting to really experience this emotion. Because I think joy is the more dominant emotion in my life throughout. Um, and even in inside our movie, there's a moment where Sam has just started crying, right? And, and mm-hmm. joy, you know, one of the it's like, oh, don't cry, come. But there's a moment in the movie where joy actually sat next to Sam's and started listening to Sam's crying. And so for me, only in recent years, I started giving hearing, allowing my sadness to really cry. And in those moments, sadness is, is the gateway for me to learn about self-compassion. Uh, when I can mm-hmm. feel sad for others, I, I mean, it's no problem for me to feel sad for others, right? Like this empathy, you know, allows me to do so. But what's in, what's hard is always self-compassion for me, for myself. Uh, and in recent years, when I can examine my 
own experiences from a third-person point of view and started feeling sad about certain parts of life because life isn't all glorious. There are always pain in life, right? And, and being able、yeah. to observe that from a third-party party point of view and feeling compassionate, sad, and then at the same time it evokes compassion towards it. That's the moment when I started accessing self-compassion. And so there are moments when you know they are painful, and I just allow myself to cry, and and acknowledge like this is a valid emotion, and that、um, it comes with acceptance. Just giving the space for sadness to cry out is a sign of acceptance. Right. Yeah, and it can be so hard to embrace that, to sit with that. Because it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Yes, but knowing you know,、yeah. knowing that、um, it's also yeah, it's also just like about how can we be okay with imperfection, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there's beauty. I think I think started appreciating that's that's what life is about too. Okay, and lastly, but not least,、uh, joy. Yeah, joy is easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, what I wanted to say, I think joy is almost like my superpower. Uh, I will. I will talk about you know the drawback of that and of being overjoyed. I, I think like this is where we talk about optimism. In recent years, I've also learned like how to. I think joy comes through as this impulsive. The joy character in my mind like likes to jump in impulsively and takes over the situation without giving space to other characters. Um, mm-hmm. Or acknowledging what the situation is, but I think,、uh, especially since I become a coach and working on this venture, it's really leadership is really important. And I think part of being a leader, the leader, is having realistic sense of the situation, and、um, and that requires joy to know when to step back and make space for the other characters, because every character.、Yeah. Uh, is a、uh, is, is a channel a window for us to see a part of the situation, part of、uh, different angles, and and you know, yeah. And so a reason, you know, one of the work I've been deepening to do is acknowledging when joy needs to step back and just make space for others. I like emotions. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think it's very instinctual,、um, maybe especially for the Western culture to to want to you know be happy and pursue happiness, and、uh, sometimes we do forget about the other emotions.、Oh, so、yeah. I'm glad you、uh, provided that insight there. So true. Can、um, I add on to that? Because <laughs> yeah, it's so、sure. important.、Uh, you see, so many startups now emerging and say we're doing the the startup to make people happy, right? Like there are、mm. all the there are like great great efforts like uh, uh but I, I think you know while we it's so exciting to see the science of happiness happening and all that I think life right、um, at the same time we're seeing such a movement also being introduced a myth for many of it's not okay to not to be happy right and so I think the key thing of, of joy in fact if I can say this is a reframing of joy、uh, joy being It's about accepting. There's pain and glory in life. It's just simply that,、mm-hmm. 
and joy is not doesn't need to be happiness all the time. Joy can there's joy in accepting the reality. Right. Right. Yeah. I. I. We could t- talk about this for days. Um, <laughs> coming up on almost an hour and a half. Yeah, now, that's why so, we can talk wherever. Uh, yeah. Um. So uh, lastly, I guess I'll, I'll give you the floor a little bit. Like, kind of, uh, we shared a little bit on what you're working on, but how can people find you, or how can people, you know, get learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. Um. So. We are called Genovate, Z-H-E-N-N-O-V-A-T-E. Uh, Z-H-E-N-Gen, you know, with uh, Innovate, the second part of Innovate, so mm-hmm. Genovate. You can find us at genovate.com. Um, we uh, currently focused on uh, supporting organizations. Um, and so employers can purchase a solution for their employees. Um, and this is basically a mobile experience. We do workshops, but we are currently uh, introducing a digital solution that can help people practice um, the the workshop learnings um, into day-to-day life, right? As you encounter real situations at work and feeling that uh, bewilderment or feeling puzzled or emotional and don't know what to do, uh, um, there can be coaching happening in demand. Um, yeah, and so um, we, for those of you who may be interested as individual people who want to try this out or have input for um, for how a, a digital solution can support you, um, we would like to hear from you, um, especially as we look at like understanding how we can better also support, like bring the access beyond just uh, have beyond the organizations, right, to individual people. So you can, uh, I encourage you to fill out the form at the end of our website and reach out to us. Um, and I, I would love to schedule a call with you uh, to learn about your needs. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll link all of that in the show notes. Uh, so thank you for coming on and talking about all this, <laughs> geeking out about all this with me. So uh, really appreciate it. I definitely learned a lot. So. Um, Thank yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. Thank on. you so much, Victor. Uh, I love your work and uh, through the podcast. And thank you so much for holding a space uh, to talk about vulnerability and connection and innovation um, in this podcast. Big fan of your podcast. And thank you for having me. It's, it's, uh, I look forward to continuing geeking out with you outside the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with the Jen Ye from Genevieve. I really hoped that you got something out of this for yourself. I very much did. And if you did, I really do want to hear from you. I want to hear other people's perspective on this. Uh, Obviously, I have my own bias and my own perspectives as well. So in order to help each other grow, uh, I want to hear what other people think about this topic and the ideas being Uh, spread here so definitely reach out if this topic is within your space and within your interests Um, and we can also geek out about it as well you can find me on instagram at underscore victor ung or you can email me at victor at victor ung.com or you can join my facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash human up 
And you can also search Human Up with Emotional Intelligence in Facebook as well. Uh, don't forget to get the 11 emotional intelligence exercises where I've collected the best exercises that have helped me develop emotional intelligence. You can get that for free at victorong.com slash subscribe. And if you're interested to be on the wait list for my video course and group coaching program to learn how to regulate our emotions and create more personal clarity, visit victorong.com slash group coaching. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Human App Podcast. I really appreciate you for being here and for caring about emotional intelligence. And I appreciate you. I will catch you next week.